Look at this scripture in Psalm 512. For you bless the righteous, O Lord. You cover him with favor as with a shield. Who gets the favor? Everybody. People who come to church. People who talk a lot. People who complain about everything but do absolutely nothing to see it changed. No, those that are righteous, those that seek after righteousness, get the shield of favor. Look at this, Psalm 84, 11. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk in his righteousness. He bestows favor on those who seek after God. For those who come after Jesus. Both of those scriptures suggest that the favor of God is something that he gives to people who position themselves to receive it. The word says, seek after the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then everything will be added after you. Seek after the kingdom of God and everything will... No, seek after the kingdom of God and stand up for righteousness, and then everything will follow that. And that's what we've got it backwards in the church for so many years. We just sit in here. We don't do anything out there. We don't speak against legislation, against laws. We don't stand up. And so people think they can just run the church over. And they have been. And we've been allowing it to happen. God puts a shield of favor around people who take a stand for righteousness. When Daniel went, when he took a stand, even though it meant he was going to go to the lion's den, he was, he was positioning himself to experience the favor of God when he got there. Do you see what I'm saying? His situation didn't look like a favored situation, but what he did in the middle of it positioned him to experience the favor of God when he needed it the most. Favor come to those who believe and position themselves for righteousness, for holiness, for purity. Those who position themselves for boldness, for courageousness, for fearlessness. People who are striving to do what God wants them to do, not just breathing and believing. It's so much more than that. Our country today is where it is because somewhere along the way, the church became okay with breathing and believing. We got comfortable and we bowed at the altar of convenience. Lord, bless us in this church. Shekinah glory right now, come down. Fire fall in the church, but as long as it happens within the next 30 minutes because I got plans once I get out of here. We became pushovers. And I just feel like God right now is speaking to me and as the leader of the church, speaking to you, saying it's time to stop being a pushover. In Ohio, there is a pastor that is living in open sin with another man. And he is telling his people that it's okay. He's telling everybody, come. Come just as you are. And he's taking the truth of God's word and he's distorting it ever so slightly. Saying this is truth, just accept it. Come in. Love. Live in love. This man is living in open sin and telling people that it's okay. He's standing in a pulpit leading a church and the church is saying, that's all right. Come on in. Listen to me. If you hear nothing else I say this morning, it's not just happening out there. It's coming in here. It is coming into the church, and people are buying it. The church, 
God's people are buying it. I hate to tell you this. He is one of thousands of church leaders in America that are living in open sin. And for far too long, the church has said, let the world do what it wants as long as everybody inside these four walls is praying and showing up to church. Let the world look like whatever it wants as long as everybody's show, as long as we have good attendance. I don't care what happens out there as long as everybody's doing what they need to be doing in here. Meanwhile, outside, over 65 million babies have been slaughtered and never had a chance at life. But as long as everything's okay in here, as long as I tickle your ears and you leave here feeling good, that's all that, what, that's all that matters. Meanwhile, woke ideology is indoctrinating our kids to identify their sexual preferences at five years old? What? And we say, okay, we'll pray about it? No, we have to stand up to it. You have to stand up to it. We have gotten so good at doing church, but we have become so lazy at actually being the church. We have gotten so good at doing church, but we have become so lazy at taking a stand for the kingdom of God. I'm not interested in being that kind of church. If you're, if you're watching online or you're here this morning, maybe your first time guest, you've been coming for a few months and you're looking for a place that you can plug in and it'll just, you know, just make your life better. I'm not sure this is the place for you. Although those things will happen, your life will get better. Christ makes everything better. The light of his love will light you up change your life. But this church has a mission. God didn't put us here for no reason. He didn't put us here to do good church. He put us here to change the community, to change Elkins, to change Randolph County. Think about this. The people who founded this country are founding fathers. The Christians who founded this nation that fought for freedom didn't do it by coming to church. I know that's a controversial statement. Please hear me. The elders are like, (gasps) (laughs) they went to church. They loved the Lord, but it's what they did out there. It wasn't just by sitting in here. Sitting in here in peace is a luxury that was afforded to them and to us because they took a stand for justice and morality and righteousness. It's a luxury that's afforded to us. But as soon as evil starts creeping into the church, guess what? It's time for us to stand up, go out there, and start fighting against it. And then in the future, maybe our kids will be able to come in here living in a land of favor where they can sit down and just enjoy the presence of the Holy Ghost. Do you hear what I'm saying? We can't stay in here. I would like to submit for you that God is going to place his favor on his people that make the decision to position themselves by getting their voices back. If we're going to take a stand and speak out and start a movement, which needs to happen, it needs to happen. And it's starting in certain places, not as much as we'd like for it to, but it's starting. People are waking up. If we want to be a part of that and seeing real change in America, we are going to need the favor of God on our lives. Not just blessings, favor of God on your life.
God is saying, go out. I want you to stand up. I want you to speak out. I want you to do it in love. I want you to do it in grace. If you're wondering what that looks like, look at the life of Jesus. He does it all over the New Testament. All over the New Testament. I think Psalm 23 does an excellent job of explaining the favor of God. You guys got a few more minutes? Look at this verse. A Psalm 23, a Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You know what? Let's read this together. If you guys can see that, read it together. A Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. Read it again, right there. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I want you to think about a couple things from this verse. It said, he leads me in paths of righteousness. Why? Why does it say that? Why does it not just say, he leads me to the waters? He makes me lie down in green pastures. Because righteousness suggests there's something you and I need to be doing. He leads us in paths of righteousness because favor follows obedience. Favor follows standing up for righteousness. And in the middle of that, he leads me beside still waters. He makes me lay down in green pastures. He gives me rest in the middle of all of it. Who knows that when you look around at our world today, it's hard to rest. It's hard to look around and think everything's going just the way we want it to go. He leads me beside still waters in the midst of it. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even though we're living in this society, even though when we turn on the news and we look around at the world, it seems like absolute chaos. We will fear no evil. Your rod and your staff, they come for me. What does a rod and a staff suggest? That the rod and the staff will be used. It doesn't suggest that we don't do anything. David is saying, your rod and your staff, the vengeance of the Lord is what comforts me. He also says, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. You anoint me with the power to speak into this generation. You anoint me with the power to speak up against the injustice, to speak out. Even though we're on the front lines, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I love this part. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He makes you sit down and dine. You're at such peace. You're fighting a battle, but God's got you covered with the shield of favor. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow righteousness. People who take a stand for what God is doing. I promise you, David was doing what God wanted him to do. Because of that, surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me forever. Does that make sense? When you are obedient, you are covered by goodness and mercy. That's favored faith. Yes. 